Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to episode number six of the podcast Under the Stairs. I am one of your hosts, uh, Duncan McLeish, and I'm joined as always by the ghostly Graham Humphrey. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. Um, to anyone who's like, listening to this, before we started recording, Duncan and I were discussing a, a very serious question and you need to put it on the Facebook to, to tell us. If you had to put batteries in a flashlight, where would you put them? <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, answers uh, on the Facebook page um, when you get a chance, guys. And we are overjoyed um, to uh, introduce our guest on the show, on the podcast under the stairs episode number six um and this is this is quite special because this lady joined us on her very first episode and she's been back for the bonus episode as well but to kind of wrap up the old child's play retrospective um we have jamie jenkins how are you doing i'm doing well and i'm super excited to be here i kind of got to bookend this series and that's exciting for me. Your listeners, though, I don't know about them. I apologize to them in advance. They're like, who in the hell is this American chick? I think the more important question is, who the hell is listening to this podcast? Well, that's actually, um, I've been doing a wee, bit of, a wee bit of checking it, and our podcast actually has a surprising amount of listeners. <laughs> I, I don't know. Who all, who all close it after seven seconds? No, no. This is clearly not that what I should thought. not be surprising because I keep getting really good feedback about you guys. Every time anyone comes to me after they've heard your podcast, they're like, "Wow, it's really good." I wasn't expecting that, but <laughs> that, that, that guy's amazing. But I can't understand what the fuck the other guy is saying. He just seems to sit there swayed and rant. That's yeah. Well, that's that's true. <laughs> it's all about balance. That's one hundred percent buying one. I should really just um, actually go the whole hog and just start tanning bottles of whiskey. And uh, just be really drunk and start like smashing them off the wall and stuff like that, and just you know be that archetype of Scots. Okay. Just to just to, to to let Jamie know to tan something is to dim it to like, finish it all in a winner. Um, oh well. I love how the- you I love how you you describe slang by with even more slang. Yeah, I, so- I thought that. I thought um, I thought dimming. I, I said dimming, and then I thought that's not an, that, that's not an Americanism either. So basically, well, no, the downing it I got. It's the oneer that threw me off. But I'm, <laughs> I context clues, context clues. <laughs> to tan it doesn't necessarily just mean to to you know down it and and one go. Like I could tan the bottle off a wall as well. You could, yes, that's right. Yeah. You can tan, you can tan somebody's windows. You can indeed. You, I, I don't doubt for one second that you have actually done that, Grim. <laughs> <laughs> you rap scallion. Uh, <laughs> but you need to, to tan somebody's windows means that you throw a brick through somebody's window. Yeah. Oh, I'm is... writing this down. <laughs> I'm writing it all down. But when you come over to Glasgow and somebody's yeah, and like, yeah, yeah, I'll tan your windies. And you're like, well, actually, you can't because I don't live here and I don't have any of those. Exactly. So I'm just going to start throwing random slang at people I meet in the streets. And <laughs> they're like, what in the hell is wrong with you? Like, just um, just replace like as many O sounds with A sounds and you'll just sound Glaswegian. <laughs> That's pretty, much, that, that's pretty much spot on. The next time I do a, an imp- impression of you guys on my show, then I will be more accurate. 
Yeah, because yeah. you made me sound yeah. like a butler. <laughs> yeah. It's because you're so posh. <laughs> Trust me, if you met me, I'm like the least posh person you'll ever meet in your entire life. That's true. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> Just um, that, that rule that I gave you there doesn't apply for the word go. Gah. Okay. <laughs> where, where you gone? Because, that, because then, then it just becomes gay. <laughs> and that's already taken up by something else. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Very much so. <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, we've got we've got Jamie back on because we are finally finishing up our Child's Play retrospective, which has been a retrospective of highs and lows. Um, yeah, if, sure. Yeah, if anyone has, if anyone's been keeping up to date with us, uh, our last episode um, kind of saw us go off into rant country, where um, me and Graham now are uh, full citizens of rant country, um, because we did not like uh, the seed of Chucky at all. Um, I I awarded it a fuck that movie, and Graham refused to grade it. Um, have you changed your mind on that, Graham? Have you have you decided to capitulate in with a grade, or are you still sticking by the the no grade? Jamie, I don't know if you got a chance to on the Facebook feed that we were talking about to read that review that I posted that I did of um, the last OTEP album, which was an absolute fucking abomination. Like it was literally like having someone rub the like wrap the cock in barbed wire and shove it in your ears. It was fucking brutal. Well, um, Cedar Chucky was worse than that album. <laughs> yep, there you go. <laughs> there you go, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Cops. afraid I have no frame of reference, though, for a barbed wire wrapped cock in my ear. <laughs> oh, we've all done it. Don't judge. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. To soapbox. date. To date. Now, I will work on that. <laughs> So yeah. yeah. So so this film, this uh, Curse of Chucky, um, Graham uh, was in the know before us. Graham saw it over a month ago now at Fright Fest, and he said at the time he was like that. It was quite surprising. It was uh, it was enjoyable, but we wouldn't give away much. And he was like that. You need to wait and see till you've seen it. So um, I have watched the film now. I watched it. Uh, couple of nights ago and i know that jamie's watched it as well so we we are going to be chatting about it very soon and like otherwise I say, this would be a boring ass show yeah, <laughs> I, yeah other, otherwise this podcast would basically otherwise. be us saying we're going to do something and then just kind of drift off into nothing and then, and then just saying <laughs> right right graham go and that would be a disaster yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, I, if i was if i was carrying the whole show fucking hell it would yeah, be 45 minutes in he might actually get to the movie but no one would ever know because they wouldn't be able to understand (laughs) (laughs) why is this stroke fucking talking Um, that joke never gets old (laughs) (laughs) I would start off on in fairness like in Scotland you're probably more likely to suffer from diabetes or a heart attack see I try and start on topic and like my brain's it just it doesn't let me. The thoughts just keep coming too fast. And there's a sex joke in there, but I'll, I'm, I'm going to take the high ground here and not say that I come too far. Oh, well, I've just done it. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, there's no. another joke in there that I could say that's what I normally say, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to keep this podcast clean. Jamie? Look at you when you say that. Um, 
are you expecting me to take up the slack where you're gonna let where you're gonna let it off or are you telling me I need to keep it clean as well? Keep it clean. Ah oh, hell. Nah, keep it clean. <laughs> so what are we gonna do? Just so off topic. Stop. This is really your fault. Yeah, you this is this is, this is totally my fault. I said, Graham, do you want to do a podcast with me? <laughs> six <laughs> six <laughs> episodes later, I'm regretting it. <laughs> what I was going to say was, um, you and I have known each other for a long time. We've known each other what, about seven years. Yeah, yeah but, I hope I hope I, you're speaking to me and not Jamie. Uh, <laughs> but fucking hell, the, no, Jamie and I have known each other for years, Duncan. You, you just didn't know about it. <laughs> and uh, when you originally introduced me to Jamie, I was like, yeah, Duncan thinks that, like, you know, he's, he's doing me a big favour here by introducing me to you, so just just don't tell him that we've known each other for years, because it'll really piss on his bonfire. So we um, we pretended, but no, Jamie and I have known each other for years. No, of course I'm talking about you, you prick. Um, but I do, you know, we've, we've been very close and everything like that for a long time, but I do genuinely feel that we've bonded quite a lot more over our utter vitriol of um, Seed of Chunky, because it was just fucking terrible. There was nothing good about it. Yeah, yeah. I think we were, that's one of those kind of ultra-rare occasions where I think absolutely everything both of us said, the other one totally agreed with 100%. So, you know... What the, is on, the, the fucking ninja shit? Yeah, right, right. But that was last episode. Right? Uh, right, okay, sorry. <laughs> so you need to look forward. You need to... We got it all out in the last episode. This is a new episode, and we're going to look forward. I don't think I'll ever get over that movie. (laughs) What we're going to do, though, is we're going to take a very short musical break, and we will come right back, and we will discuss some of the, the big topics in the old horror news, and we will be right back in a minute. This is Jamie from Devour the Podcast. Do you enjoy horror commentary with straightforward honesty? Oh my god, fuck this movie. Fuck this movie so hard. Oh my goodness, you know, halfway through this movie I was just like, let's get this thing going. Fuck this movie. (laughs) Humor and an obvious passion for the genre. I like the cut of your jib. The ceiling, Grandma. Don't make me get out the broom. Oh, your tears are like wine. They used to call that the vapors. Cupcakes are kind of the Schindler's list of desserts. It's it's a, a pure good. I love the idea of up-and-coming horror directors taking on the found footage genre. I really, really like that idea. And that's really the worst thing you can commit as far as filmmaking is concerned, is making a film that's just average. Well, that doesn't really inspire any kind of discussion, whether it's, you know, to rip it apart or or praise it. Then you should spend time with David and me. And Bo. As we discuss horror films from old classics. Deep Red. Empire of the Ants. Lisa and the Devil. The Baby. The Toxic Avenger. The New Favorites. Absentia. Cabin in the Woods. The Loved Ones. Shadow of Death. VHS. The Woman. Check us out on iTunes or at devourthepodcast.blogspot.com. Devour the Podcast is a proud member of the Horrorphilia Podcasting Network. And we're back, and um. This first news story I've picked up from Shock Till You Drop, and this one I know for a fact is going to prompt a bit of a, possibly a heated discussion between myself and my colleagues here, but the the title of the story is, Michael Bay Wants to Direct a Horror Film. 
Fuck him. God <laughs> in heaven. <laughs> so the article says there's a feature at Hollywood Reporter worth checking out that falls directly under the category of horror. THR looked at 20 of today's Master of Horrors and spoke to various contributors to the genre featured regularly here on ShockTillYouDrop.com. While you can read the article here, or on the website, not actually here, you can't read it on the podcast, but <laughs> if you know what I mean, uh, one, quote, <laughs> one quote caught her eye regarding Michael Bay. <clears throat> here we go. I have a great fantasy that I will probably make a reality of directing my own self-financed horror movie, B said, adding, I love this genre because the movie is the star. <clears throat> B, as you know, is one of the central producers at Platinum Dunes, aka, Jamie? Platinum Dunces. Thank you. The company behind many contemporary remakes like Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre and The Amityville Horror. Whether B gets around... Platinum Dunces and Nightmare on I thought it was... Uh... I thought it was New Line. I thought New Line did the remake as well. No. Platinum Jones. No, afraid not. Yep. <laughs> Whether Bay gets around to this horror movie he'd like to make remains to be seen. Pain and Gain was one of those personal projects he wanted to do and it took years to get made. So maybe he'll make it happen. Now, <clears throat> I, I, I feel the need to kind of lead on this story. Um, first by saying that if, if there's one thing I could hope that doesn't happen is that Platinum Dunes doesn't get involved with any more horror remakes. And the second thing would be that I hope never to hear another news story that, that revolves um, or involves the words Michael Bay and horror again. Because I can say genuinely, hand on heart, I don't like the man's directing style and I don't think he would bring anything at all other than quick cuts and quick edits. Explosions. And explosions and, well, probably boobies. So we could, we'll, we'll give him boobies. We, we'll quite like boobies. Um, nice, nice. <laughs> We've been having conversations about this tonight. <laughs> can, I just hear you say, can I just hear you say boobies one more time? Because that's just cute. <laughs> <laughs> boobies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as, as the only reason I, I, I enjoyed having a calculator in school is because you could spell boobies on it upside down. Um, I don't know it's if they right, did that. Right. <laughs> and bibless, which was freaky. Um, but yeah. <laughs> that, was, uh, that, that was one of my lectures at uni. What? Was bibless? How, how to spell boobies on a calculator. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, right. So, Michael Bay, horror, Jamie. Go for it. Wow. Um... Okay, well, Platinum Dunces has proven to me that those people don't really know horror anyway. Um, that every time they, well, okay, I can't say every time because I'm about to have to defend the Nightmare remake, uh, which I, I hope to do successfully on my own show. But which was oh, incidentally um, also uh, was Platinum Dunes, but New Line were also involved. So ah, okay. He did some fact checking. Um, <laughs> but so you um, shove that in your gob, Duncan. <laughs> uh, look up gob. Look up gob. Yeah, gob. Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, what they what they always seem to do is they they pull out the wrong elements, you know. So what we get are, you know, movies that are missing the heart but are covered in blood, just buckets of blood, like we got with the Chainsaw remake 
when a, a lot of the important elements that made the movie what it was and the icon that it is today were completely removed. And we did the same thing with Amityville Horror. And there were some great performances in that film. Like, I really enjoyed the performances of Reynolds and, Ju and George, and I thought they did a great job. But then we get this crazy story, and then there's just blood everywhere, and it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, I don't really feel like you need that to make a successful ghost story, which is what that really should be. Um, so anyway, they've proven time and time again that they are they're heavy-handed. They pull out the wrong elements. They don't really know what they're doing when it comes to horror. They they uh, I, it's like they try to to apply the same things to a horror film that they would do to an action film. And I really I don't see how Bay would be any different. I mean, he would pro he would be worse because he's like the ringleader of all this crap, and um, I, he doesn't have the subtle hand that is required to make a successful horror film. I just, I just don't see it. And he would, if he could prove me wrong, then I would be the first one to admit that I was wrong, but I honestly don't see it happening. And I completely agree with your statement that you would never like to see the words Michael Bay and horror in the same sentence again. And I would be totally happy with that. Honestly, if I could never see the words Michael Bay and movie in the same sentence again, <laughs> I would be completely happy with that. Graham, come on, give us your view. Give him a chance. Transformers 2 is alright. Fuck <laughs> off. Suck on that. <laughs> no, that film was a fucking abomination. Um, nah, it's. I, fuck him. That's about, about all I've got to say on, on the matter. The guy has never done anything worthwhile. I mean, I don't know him personally, but I assume he's a scumbag as well. Like, he's just, done, he's just done nothing worthwhile. Why would I want him to come into the genre that I love and fucking, like, just destroy it? Piss all over it? Is that what you're trying to say? I pretty much just get, like, a fucking, like, massive plank of wood and ram it up the arse of horror. No thanks, Michael Bay. Fuck off, man. I mean, and Give I your know fucking Transformer bollocks to yourself. I'm not interested in that, and I do actually literally mean Transformer bollocks. There is that scene in the second one where he's, where he's got the escort. And um, all the shit he's doing with the turtles and that. Ah, fuck the guy, man. You know what? Fucking bring him down here, and I'll have a word him. Yeah, you'll it show him. It, it, it wouldn't end well for me. I assume that even he's bigger than him. <laughs> I want a dream of mine is to fly out to LA just so I can kick him in the shins and fly back. And he's like, this is for everything you've ever done. Um, and I know that some people are going to argue with my subtle hand point uh, in horror and that, you know, every horror film does not have to be subtle to be successful. And that's true. But it, and I feel that in order for it to be a successful horror film, it requires heart. And I really just have never seen anything that he's done that, that has really any heart behind it. It's all blockbuster. Like he's just going for the big bucks, the big explosions, the big names, the big, all of that. And we don't, we don't need that, you know, in, in our genre, we, it works best if we have unknowns even. I mean, we, you know, we don't turn our noses up if it's not an A-list star, but, um, you know, I, know. I just don't think he belongs here. He doesn't. He doesn't belong yeah. anywhere. Fuck the guy. It's, it's, <laughs> the, thing, the thing is as well, it's, it's like you're saying, it's horror films seem to have this kind of common theme of 
just characters that you it's not even that i mean there's no there's we we don't empathize or sympathize at all with any of the characters he puts on screen but worse than that worse than that you know, when when ultimately they, 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 they meet sticky ends in the film when they're killed or whatever, we just don't care. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think that's his big flaw. His characters are essentially mannequins because that's that's the that's the level of depth we get with them. Um, they're just ah, oh, he's just a really bad filmmaker. Um, and I mean, there is a, there is a market for what he does, obviously, but I just don't think we need any more of that over where we are. Which brings me to my second story, um, and this is a bit of uh, gossip that I've, I've heard on the old rumour mill, um, that it has been suggested and put forward that the next Friday the 13th film will be a found footage film. Oh, jeez. <laughs> we just talked about this on Devour. <laughs> Did you? Right. I, I only just found out about this, right, like about three days ago, and when I read it, I... I, I I so badly just wanted to smack my head off a wall, um, just just a few times to try and see if I could kill the brain cells that retained that memory. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, it's just fucking pointless. I just don't understand. I don't. Uh, I mean, why? 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 There we go. What? What? What is the need? What is the need? Well, there's a common denominator there that would explain why. It's platinum dunces. They <laughs> they yeah. have they have a limited amount of time before they can. Um, release a title, I mean, release a film under the Friday the 13th title. And I, I think at this point, I mean, they really have no idea what they want to do. They just want to get something out there. And that's another thing we don't need in horror. We don't need people just trying to get something out there. Yeah. I mean, fuck that. We care about our, we care about our films. And um, for someone to just, and right then, that's just, that's their MO. That's what they do. They don't give a shit about the movies. They don't give a shit about the fans. They don't care about Obviously, they don't care about canon if they're talking about making a found footage film out of out of Friday the Thirteenth. I mean, they just they don't care, and um, I, I just that's what gets under my skin more than anything is the lack of care. I'm done. <laughs> Graham, I, I don't. I, I, I can't. I, I just. I don't know what to say. It's just. Why, like, why are they making a new one anyway? Like, I mean, don't get me wrong, right? I, I love Friday the 13th because it's Friday the 13th. But realistically, how many of those movies were actually any good? Well, yeah, you, I, I said you, recently. You get the first one, right? Um, which is, like, you know, good because it's the original one. Then you get the second one. second one's a fucking belter. Um, even the third one's all right. But then from then on, it's pish. So oh, the, the fourth you... one. The fourth one's awesome. Wait, is the fourth one where <laughs> spoilers, guys? Um, where the kid who makes like all the makeup and all that type of stuff kills him. Corey Feldman, yeah. Uh, oh, is that the fourth one? Right, okay, yeah, sorry, the fourth that was, one. I, I thought I thought that was the third one. The fifth one. The fifth one. Spoiler is the one where he's not actually in it. <laughs> ah, <laughs> Jason's not in it. Shit, man. And then you've got like Jason takes Manhattan, which is. You've Which jumped ahead. Really, no, I know, I know, but I'm just, I'm just talking about the channel. You know what would have been amazing though if they combined Jason Takes Manhattan with the Muppets Take Manhattan. <laughs> that would have been great. Do, do you guys right. get? Do you guys know what the Energizer Bunny is over yes. there? Okay. Yes. Um, when, when Jason Takes Manhattan first came out, 
uh, those commercials hadn't been going for all that long. And so what we got the TV spot for that was Jason facing away from the camera on the roof of a building in New York. And then it was just he turned and it was like Jason takes Manhattan. And I'm seriously waiting for the Energizer Bunny to go across the screen because at that time they were they were doing like fake commercials and then here you know the bunny would come across the screen. I'm sitting there waiting. I'm like, okay, where's the bunny? Where's the bunny? <laughs> oh my God, you're fucking serious? This is really happening? Um, and then uh, he did an interview on the Arsenio Hall show. Well, I say interview. It was Jason, so he didn't really talk much really, at all. He just sort of <laughs> sat there looking menacing. And it, that's on YouTube. If you've never seen it, it's pretty funny. But um. And so they really, they kind of, at this point, you know, Freddie was in, Freddie, like Freddie was around and he was all slapsticky and being Freddie. And so I think they were trying to combat that. Uh, so they hit the talk show and then they had the, the TV spot that was like, what the hell? Um, and, and I don't know, I think maybe that, that's always been my opinion of it anyway, is that they were trying to go up against to go up against the whole Freddie thing that was going on and maybe add a, an element of humor to it and then you watch the movie and it's just mm. i actually watched it fairly recently because i remembered thinking well maybe it wasn't that bad you know um so i watched it fairly recently and it was so bad it's so yeah. bad and i love yeah. i'm team jason all the way i love jason i love friday the 13th i'm just i get super excited and i do marathons every time a friday the 13th rolls around like i'm really into it and when you get that excited that you go out and run a marathon no <laughs> yes <laughs> um i watch a whole bunch of movies in a row <laughs> <laughs> this is what I do. Yeah, I multitask. Um, but there were so many, and I think a lot of this can be blamed on the MPAA, but there were so many missed opportunities in that film. Even though the story was shit, period, there were some there were some kills that could have been at least interesting, but they're so watered down. And it's just, you know, like there's this one scene in an alley where he comes across this these drug guys, uh, these drug addicts who are attempting to rape this to rape the girl and so he comes up and you're like oh this is going to be kick ass i mean he has this moment where i i am just waiting for him to like rip the guy's spine right out of his back predator style and no all he does is stab him with a hypodermic and i'm like well, what the hell <laughs> i mean you had some great opportunity there and you didn't do shit you know even with the head being punched off it was just it which was probably the best kill in the movie and it just was it fell flat so um yeah that's that's it's bad <laughs> it's really bad. I skip it a lot of times. Yeah, my my big my big gripe with the film is that you know it's fairly misleading as a title. You know, Jason takes Manhattan. It should be really Jason takes Manhattan in the last fifteen minutes of the film, because uh, it's not really. It's the same. It's the same problem I had recently watching um, Elysium at the cinema. Other than the fact that it was pretty boring. Um, you know, all the trailers show you this really, really cool space station in space and all these battles are going to happen on it. And that's what you go and see. And you only really get that in the last 15 minutes of the film. The rest of the film is set in slums down on Earth. And it's like, well, this is not really what I've paid for. Um, you know, it's been fairly misleading. And uh, although in saying that, I'm going to New York um, next month. And I did get for my birthday... Uh, uh, Jason takes Manhattan t-shirt, you know, the Jason loves New York top, and I will have my photograph oh, yeah. taken in Times Square at the same place he was standing, wearing my top. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, 
well, how could you not do that, really? Uh, yeah, pretty I mean, much. But and it, um, it's, it's more like, I think you're going to take Manhattan harder than he did. I think and, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like Jason visits Manhattan and does a couple of nasty things while he's there. Um, yeah, J- Jason goes to Manhattan for a cup of tea. <laughs> there are a couple of moments that I enjoy where, like, he like he chases her into the diner and the woman's like, oh, is, there's a man, there's a masked man trying to kill me. And the woman's like, welcome to New York. Yeah, you know, that's kind of funny. And then he's walking down the street, and there's the gang, and they're all trying to start shit with him. And um, then they end up running off, and that's kind of funny too. But for about a second, you know, it's really, it, it just, it just the whole thing was disappointing. But easily my least favorite of the series. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, I mean, if you're, but even if you're platinum dunes, right, and you're you're thinking, right, we need to put out another Friday the Thirteenth film because we have, you know, there's oh, a limited yeah, time I, to I, do I, this. I, yeah. I just remembered what the original one was. <laughs> um, and you know, we need to put out a film. At what point did they sit there and think, you know what, you know what would be a really good idea? We'll incorporate found footage into it. It just, it's fucking pointless and it smacks of like you were saying jamie just no respect at all for any fans or any any like real interest at all in anything remotely resembling what the franchise should be um i mean the found footage idea sims worse than the actual remake and the remake wasn't all that good either so i just don't i just don't get it i think it's it's such a fucking bad idea. It's it's probably the worst idea. It's it's right it's right beside Michael Bay wanting to direct a horror movie. In my opinion, it is just like the worst fucking idea ever. Um, I just don't get it. I, I, in moments like these, and the thing is that annoys me the most is that we're coming off what is the most successful year for horror cinema in about a decade possibly even longer than that the films most of the horror films that have come out this year have made a considerable amount of money done a lot better than they were expected to do um across the board i mean very few i think the only one that's not really performed all that well was your next which surprised me because i really enjoyed it um but we spoke about this before i think it was just marketed wrong um but yeah i mean that's the only one that really hasn't done particularly well the rest of them right across the board have done exceptionally well and the two did biggest they, hitters did, sorry did insidious 2 do well yeah insidious 2 has done ridiculously well it, it, and it's opening weekend it's still and, in the theater here yeah. and it's opening weekend it made 50 million and it's opening weekend it made 50 million us dollars and cost 5 million to make so yeah, really? it did well. Yeah, it did well. And I mean, you t- but you, you look at The Conjuring as like another example yeah. of a film that cost twenty million dollars to make, and at last count, it made over a hundred and twenty. And I mean, people should be sitting there looking at that, regardless whether they like the film or not, and looking at that and saying, you know, horror films were a bit of a story, and you know that are directed well because both films, regardless if you if you like them or not, you can't take away from James Wan's directing. He's he's got a he's got a really good eye for for visuals especially i mean i love the way both of those films are shot and they're com- completely different ends of the budgetary scale um although i think the conjuring looks like it was made for a lot more than 20 million um i think insidious 2 probably does look like it was made for 5 million but i think both of them are incredibly well shot and if you i mean if you're if you're sitting in a an executive studio in a film company and you're looking at that i would be sitting there thinking you know maybe we maybe we take a risk 
maybe maybe we've put a little bit more money in it. Maybe we've put a little more thought in it because people seem to be digging horror films now. Um, it's all over our televisions. It's all over the cinema at the moment. Um, you know, to, to to sit there and come up with the the you know the the idea that we could just shove uh, Jason into a found footage film just smacks of complete unoriginality. It is just such a lazy approach to it and I mean I would much rather they just didn't make the film at all to be honest with you <laughs> you know just if, if that's the best that you know you as a company can come up with to try and reinvigorate or reintroduce Jason back to the, the, the big screen then just don't bother but I mean look at all the stuff that's done really well this this year the, the, the stuff that you're talking about both in cinema and in, on TV how much yeah. of it is you know like banal slasher none of it exactly so, you know, like, the, the fact that they're going to make a banal slasher anyway, in and of itself, is not going to do well. And then you make it found footage, which I don't think anyone in the world likes found footage films. I think, there are people now. Who, I think there are people who like some films which happen to be found footage. Like, I still love Blair Witch. But, I'm the same, dude. I'll, I'll but, love like, that film. But, but I, like, who the fuck actually sits down and goes... Subgenre of horror, horror I really love found footage. No one, because it's shite. <laughs> found footage is like one of those. To me, it's one of those ones where easily it's like it's kind of like zombie films. Um, in that a hundred get released, you know, a hundred get released, and maybe five of those hundred are actually good. Um, mm. and to try and I mean, I just I just don't I just don't understand why they would want to do it. I mean. I just, aye, yeah. I think we've probably spent too long talking about this. To be fair, um, but I think what we, I think what we've managed to convey is is our universal disgust for the idea. So, if anyone at Platinum Dunes happens to stumble across the podcast under the stairs, episode number six, and you know you've been listening to it and um, you've not reached the news section yet, and then accidentally this jumps and you come to this section, you might not want to listen to the bit we've just recorded. Um, if you are easily offended. Or if you, uh, well, no, if you're easily offended, <laughs> so because your company has a lot to answer for, and um, yeah, you're a blight and an abomination on the world of film. Found <laughs> is the gent of the horror world, and Platinum Dunes is the victory record of the horror world. Fuck them both. Those are two musical references for our uh, anyone out there that listens to metal. So there you go. <laughs> but yeah, what we're gonna do is we are going to take a very, very, very short break and where you're going to hear the Curse of Chucky trailer and then we're going to come back and wrap out this... Uh, well, when I say wrap out, I don't mean like we're going to be dropping ill lyrics. Um, oh, go on. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> but I we're can do come... the potato rap. What's the potato rap? <laughs> have you never heard my Oh, potato? yes, I have, I have, I have, <laughs> yes. It's just suddenly come back to me. Graham hasn't, though, so... No, I, I'm not allowed to rap. There's a court order against it. <laughs> Jamie, go and do the potato wrap. Really? Yeah. Come <laughs> oh on. wow. Okay. Well, you know, this is actually the official world premiere then, because it was uh, when it landed on the skeleton crew that was an accident, so uh, they tricked <laughs> me. But um, okay, if you're ready. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's a story though. This was a challenge that was presented to me that um, they're like basically I'll throw any I'll throw a topic at you with no warning. I get no warning at all. I throw a topic with you at you, and you have to. Give me a rap about it. And I said, okay, hit me with it. Okay, so they said, potato. 
And I'm like, okay. So immediately, and I just do this off the top of my head. I'm pretty impressed with myself. It's like, um, like master fried. I like them on the side of my steak with the, I mean, of my plate with a burger or a steak. Dip them in ketchup or even mayo, and those are the ways I love my potatoes. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and I have just completely obliterated any cred that I had anywhere. <laughs> Yay, you had it here first, guys. When it's, when it's on the next Limp Biscuit album and you are raking in all that money, you'll be fine with that. Hey, you'll be laughing all the way to the bank. The yeah. potato bank. Yeah. <laughs> potato bank, yes. Yeah. With all those internet dollars, which is... <laughs> right, but we're going to cut out here. You're going to hear the curse of Chucky trailer. Then we're going to come back and we're going to do this. Who's it from? It doesn't say. We found him. Chucky's my friend till the end. Hey, wanna play? Can't we sleep in with you tonight? It's only a storm. Good night, baby. Sweet dreams. Don't forget Chucky. And we're back, and that was the trailer for The Curse of Chucky. So let me give you some information on this film before we start chatting about it. Um, The film was released uh, 24th of September this year, 2013. The synopsis of the film is, After her mother's mysterious death, Nika begins to suspect that the talking red-haired doll her visiting niece has been playing with may be the key to the recent bloodshed and chaos. The film stars Fiona Dourif as Nika, Chantel Quinnell, oh, oh, I don't even know how to pronounce her name, so we'll skip that, Danielle Basuti as Barb, uh, A. Martinez as Father Frank, uh, Brendan Elliott as Ian, Summer H. Howell as Alice, Adam Hurtig as Officer Stanton, um, obviously Brad Dourif reprising his role as Charles Lee Ray and Chucky, and I'm not going to read any more because there are spoilers inherent with us. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a bit of chat about this without spoilers. Then we are going to get into some spoilers. Um, at that point, uh, what I would say is check the the description of this on our website to make sure that you don't go into the spoiler section unprepared. If you've not seen the film, don't listen to the spoiler section. So, Graham, you saw this film before all of us, so I think it's only right because you've had to hold your tongue longer than the rest of us, um, that you should start us off and without going into spoilers, tell us what you thought of The Curse of Chucky. Well, I didn't really know anything, I I didn't even know it was coming out until you sent me a link to the trailer. I think you sent me a link, you told me about it anyway and I checked it out and then um, I was planning on going to Fight Fest anyway. And it turned out they were playing it at Fight Fest. And I got kind of excited because obviously I love the like, original Charles Bain. And I do still, as much as 
Cursive, uh, Bride of Chucky, sorry, and Seed of Chucky did their absolute best to convince me otherwise. Um, yeah, I still love the character of Chucky. Um, and so the idea of seeing him in a, another movie, that I, I, I was up for it, but I, I was kind of cautious because of just how drastically bad those last two films had been. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, it wasn't perfect, but I like. I, I think it managed to go back to being legitimately quite menacing and quite dark. And I like the fact that it wasn't... I, I thought there might have been a tendency to kind of try and sort of almost remake the franchise, but it doesn't do that. It sort of... It, kind of ignores the previous um, entries into the franchise up until um, you know I'm not going to say too much about it because this is a spoiler fee bit but up until towards the end when you kind of figure out the whole story and and then it ties in and you see where it sits within the, the franchise I, I thought that was really cool I thought that was a really clever way of you know not um, limiting this film to being a sequel to Seed of Chucky and anything like that, but um, you know, also not having to rehash a lot of the the child's play um, themes or anything like that to, to try and just sort of redo the first one. I I really thought that it was it was done well. It was dark. It did have some funny moments. I think the whole kind of I, I, I don't think this is a spoiler. I think the whole kind of lesbian um, like story arc thing was just unnecessary. Um, uh, we were obviously discussing before the podcast that like sex in movies always makes me a bit uncomfortable anyway. And when it's just unnecessary, it was just kind of like, eh. There's just no need for that bit to be in there. It wasn't like offensive in any way. It was just sort of like it just didn't add anything. Uh, that, but other than that, I didn't really have any major gripes with it. To be honest with you, I thought it was excellent. And um, you know, like the, the the bit that I was mentioning to you last week, Duncan's that bit when his you know new pristine face, uh, the the mask sort of slips. And it yeah. becomes old, old Chucky again, man. That's pretty much the best feeling I've had all year. Just that that one scene when he becomes old Chucky again. And you're just like, fuck yes! It's like you, you've done it, you've got it. And I like the fact that that comes at the end of the movie as well, as yeah. opposed to just being, you know, like, oh, here's the new Chucky. Ah, well, no, it's actually it's old Chucky. It builds. It, it, it's just. It was just done well. I really, really did enjoy it. I mean, I'm, obviously I'm trying not to go into spoilers here, which is why I'm not really saying much. And bearing in mind, I did speak this in August as well. So my yeah. uh, my review here is maybe slightly um, lacking in details. But uh, no, I really enjoyed it. I, I, I was very pleasantly surprised. Like I said, I went in with low expectations, but... I mean, you know, I got out and the first thing I did was message both of you guys to just say that it was fucking brilliant. Um, I know, and I was I was so excited after I got that message because I, <laughs> I you were the first person that I had talked to who'd seen it, and I was unsure up until that point. But then when you said that, then I it renewed my excitement. 
and then you actually saw it and you thought, what the fuck was Graham smoking? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll find out. Yeah, well, uh, this this would be a good time to, to ask what you thought, Jamie. Like what we were saying, without going into spoilers, what did you make of The Curse of Chucky? I was really, really pleasantly surprised. I enjoyed it. I'd, well, and when I say pleasantly surprised, it's not that I thought that it was going to be bad because, like I said, Graham had already told me that he liked it, so I was, I was excited about that. I was surprised at how the story unfolded because when we first started covering this as upcoming news on Devour, everything that we had up to that point – was referring to it as a remake or a reboot. Um, That's just, that's the impression that we got based on the fact that they were going to go back and try to make him scary again. That, and then when we saw the trailers, he looked, you know, pristine. Um, There were, you know, no scarring, no staples to the head and all that. Um, So I was really up until it came out and I started getting, it was trickling down that people were saying, that's not a remake. It's not a remake. You know, I was like, and then I was even more intrigued. I'm like, well, well then what is it? You know, how did they do it? So when I watched it, I was really impressed. I think that, that it was a very clever way to continue the story. Um, but also give it a fresh look and, and successfully, I think go back to, to Chucky being menacing again and I, I will even go so far as to say that I was kind of nervous because Don Mancini was directing it, and he's responsible for Seed of Chucky. I, we don't we don't mention that film. Either. Okay, he's responsible for that other one. Um, <laughs> and which, by the way, he refers to Curse of Chucky as his first horror film because uh, he feels that the other one was um, was not a horror That's film. Awesome really. And so, um, but when then, when I saw what he did with this, it's a completely, it looks like a completely different director, like a completely different angle. I mean, I don't know. I was impressed with that. So what we got here, I think was interesting storytelling that I really don't see how any fan of this franchise could not be happy with how it wrapped up. Yeah, I would agree. And plus we've got Fiona Dorif who, um, is I just love her. I think she's adorable. But I find it interesting that I could not stop looking at her and thinking of her father because they have those same wet all the time eyes. And yeah. like if you just if you block out the rest of her face and look at just her eyes, she looks exactly like her dad. And even when she's like her emotions, the emotions around her eyes, it's it's exactly like her father. And there are several moments when um, she's being more dramatic that you could, I mean, you can definitely see where she comes from. And at first, I was, I was like, well, how does that work? Because he's not a terribly attractive man, but but I think that she is just adorable. But uh, so I guess she got all the good parts and and none of the wanky ones. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but I thought um, I thought she did an excellent job. Um, I really didn't have any complaints about any of the performances or anything. You know, the, the, the complaints that I have, it's, it's, they're really bizarre and really kind of meaningless. It, I didn't care for the fact that Chucky's hair was as long, was as long as it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. my main complaint about the look of Chucky. Um, I didn't have a problem with the CGI, which everyone was, com- was worried about. And, um, it really didn't bother me from the trailers. So I didn't expect to have a problem going in. And I didn't. I didn't have a problem with that. Um, and then my other complaint was that when they um, – when we do back-in-the-past shots of Charles Lee Ray, I think that the 
attempting to make him younger look like the hair, for instance, was obviously a wig. They could have done a better job with that. But really, I mean, if those are my only complaints and if that's it, then, uh, you know, that's not bad. Yeah, definitely. Um, I got a chance to check it out, like I say, this week. And um, yeah, I was I was pumped for this one, definitely. Um, like anything would make me like <laughs> when I went into this one, I thought it cannot be as bad as the previous outing of this film which we're not mentioning we're not mentioning it by name so clearly this one is called Voldemort um but yeah basically we, we, we don't we don't mention its name anymore he who cannot be named um but yeah I, I sat down and I watched it and I was struck straight away by I love the idea of it being set in some sort of old kind of almost Victorian style house with the the creepy elevator that's inside, and it's very kind of almost kind of that that to me that that's tipping its cap to kind of old old horror, old school horror with its yeah. kind of you know the haunted house sort of feel, the house that's up on the hill, uh, the spooky house, and um, I think that the acting was very good, which is surprising um, because um, for the most part I'm not familiar with many of these people. I didn't even actually know that Brad Dourif had a daughter. I've never seen any films. I didn't either. Knowledge, anyway. Yeah, I didn't. I, and very much like you were saying, the, the bits towards the bits where she has her interactions with Chucky later on in the film, and her character in itself becomes quite menacing, and you can totally tell that she's Brad Dourif's daughter because it's almost like the two characters are playing off each other's kind of menace, sadistic side, um, which is really cool. Um, I do have gripes with the film. Uh, I think the gripes I can't really get into for for spoiler reasons, but we will get into them later on. Um, a couple of things that I thought were maybe... They were, they were passable, but not necessary. Uh, I would agree with you that the look of Chucky is a bit strange with the long hair. I never really got why they did that, because it is a marked departure from how Chucky looked in the previous films. Like Graham was saying yeah, about the but, mask. Yeah, but it's, it's explained... Yeah. Like why he looks different later on. Yeah, well, yeah, well, the, the, yeah, the, 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 the face is explained. It doesn't explain why the hair's different. Yeah, why he looks like a member of Hanson all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. When the when the mask comes off, the hair still stays the same length. Um, which to me was a bit strange. Uh, Another thing that was a bit strange as well. Um, without well, in fact, this isn't even a spoiler. Um, the there's a scene where Chucky's head is taken off its body. Now. We're led to believe by this point that Chucky's been in that body for however long and as the kind of mythos of the story is that once he's in the body for a certain period of time he becomes human within the, the body. If his head's disconnected from his body he dies basically. Um, so I, I wasn't too sure why they did that, that it was just like a, like a Lego bit that could be plugged back in. I thought that was a bit strange, and he also gets shot through the heart and doesn't die, but like I say, don't want to go too much <laughs> into that. A couple of things that I thought were inconsistencies, which when you take into account that Don Mancini has written every single one of these films, mm. he's only directed the two, but you know, at this level, you're thinking, you know, you can't really, if this is a, if this is a reboot, then yeah, you can change the rules, you can change the goalposts to, to where, wherever you want, but as we find out later on in the film, this is not actually a reboot. This is a continuation of a story just done differently. <laughs> so there are rules that need to be followed. So follow the fucking rules. You know what I mean? But for the most part, I was, 
I mean, Graham said, he texted us, he sent us that message and he said that the film was excellent. And when the film finished, I had that, I had a, that feeling of euphoria that I thought, yep, this is the film we should have got after Child's Play 3. This is the film we should have got. We should never have had The Bride of Chucky. We should never have had the the one that we can't mention. Um, we should have had this film. Don Mancini should have stepped up to the plate then. Um, and, you know, right after, you know, 98 or whenever it was, he should have stepped up to the plate then and he should have done this film. Um, it's, it's surprisingly good. Um, I think that anyone that lost their faith in the franchise could come back I, in fact, I would I would plead for them to actually watch this film because, like Jamie was saying, if you're a fr- if you're a fan of this franchise, then there's not a lot to grumble about here at all. There are things that you can have a a small gripe at, but overall, you know, it's a, it's more than a welcome return. And I am kind of hoping, actually, and I never thought I would be saying this, I'm kind of hoping that you know this is a bit of a success story, which might pave the way for Don Mancini to maybe make a sequel to this one because I would like to see that happen. I really would like to see that happen and it doesn't even need to have a theatrical release because this one hasn't and I think in a lot of ways that has worked in its favour because expectations have been really low already and the fact that it's not went to cinema people will instantly think well the film can't be that good then. It's a big franchise and film can't be that good if the, the you know film company doesn't have faith to put it in the cinema and it really takes the breath away when you watch it. It's it's a bloody good film. Um, so what we'll do is we'll grade it first and then we will get into some spoilers and we follow the Netflix rating style um, which runs uh, one hated it, two didn't like it, three liked it, four really liked it and five loved it. Graham, what would you give this film? Solid four. A solid four. So that will be, is that the highest? You've, that is the highest, isn't it? No, I think that's up there with Charles Play 2. Charles Play 2, you did give that a four. Yes, you did. That's right. Jamie, what would you give this film? I'd say four. And I will join you on a four, actually. I think that's, I think, I think we're all being fair and we will go on after this small spoiler tag to uh, explain why we actually think it's a four and why it doesn't get a five. So we'll be right back with our spoilers. And we're back and right. Uh, so I will go and give us a bit more in-depth detail and then we will talk about it. So the film synopsis really kind of covered the, the basics. So what you get is you get a, a house. Um, uh, Fiona Duriff's character, Nika, is uh, disabled. She's in a wheelchair. She lives with her mother in this kind of creepy house. And um, what, what we get is a parcel is delivered. It turns out the mother's a bit of a fan of the home shopping network. And this parcel arrives. And it's a good guy doll that's inside it. And it's Chucky. And um, it, it appears to have been sent incorrectly uh, to, to the wrong address. And, you know, it's arrived. And they don't really know what to do with it. And then in the middle of the night, the mother dies. Uh, which brings the family back to the house. And to be honest... The family are all quite unpleasant. <laughs> even though I, I didn't actually even really like the little girl, if I'm being honest, but all very well acted. But they arrive at the house, and um, the the sister, uh, Nika's sister, wants to sell the house off because she is rooked. She has no cash. Um, she's arrived with her nanny, her husband, and her daughter. Um, the husband, who seems kind of fairly genuine, but a bit of a strange character isn't aware that his wife is actually sleeping with a nanny and the the girl the the daughter uh, obviously gets a good guy doll and instantly chucky starts 
doing what Chucky does, and that is communicating with a girl, getting her to say things, and then um, you get this scene with the, the there's a priest, right, and uh, you get this wonderful <laughs> scene with them eating dinner, and uh, so Nika goes away to make dinner, and while they're in a different room, Chucky comes to life and puts rat poison. He doesn't have enough time to poison all the food, so he only poisons one, and you get this beautiful Russian roulette scene, this kind of elongated section of them eating food at the dinner table, and um, the the priest, obviously, he gets it. He gets the wrong food, and uh, he later dies. Quite quite wonderfully, actually, but once again, we'll get into that. And then Chucky kind of goes on the killing spree, which we would expect, um, and starts picking off people one at a time, uh, working his way up to Nika, who we find out that uh, Charles Leary um, had... This is this is where it gets kind of interesting. Charles Leary has history with this family, and prior, the, like, the very first Child's Play film we see, we see um, Charles Leary running injured into the toy store before he puts his soul into the the doll, and we find out that the reason he's limping is because he has had an incident with the family right before this, and he ran away, and you know, this is, basically Chucky has taken 25 years to wreak vengeance on this family, Um, and, he, you know, he does he does his business, does some, some kills, which we'll talk about shortly, and uh, it all builds up to this a wonderful, wonderful scene where the police eventually arrive and they come in and they find that everyone's dead and, well, everyone's dead in the house, but Nick is the only one alive and she's covered in blood and, of course, who are they going to believe? They're not going to believe that the doll did it. Um, So she goes to court where, obviously, she's sentenced um, because why wouldn't she be sentenced? And she shouts at the doll. And then we get two scenes that come after that. Now, I'm not going to go into those two scenes just now because I think the two scenes themselves are ones that are worthy of separate conversation. But, yeah, I, th- I mean, I think that pretty much covers it. What, what Jamie, in this film, when you were watching it, you know, what did you really like, you know, particular scenes that you thought, you know, wow, I'm, I'm quite surprised that they, they did this? I like, well, you mentioned uh, one, you, you mentioned the elevator earlier, and I would like to add that I think... Uh, to me, as soon as I saw that, it remind it took me right back to the first one, um, where the elevator was pretty prominent in there, and we get yeah. the whole thing where the one of my favorite scenes in any of these movies where the woman's like, "What an ugly doll," and he's like, "Fuck <laughs> you," you know. Um, immediately, it took me back to that, and I was like, "Ah, oh, that had to be on purpose," which I I thought was cool. Um, my favorite death scene is easily um, a Martinez as the the father when he. Uh, that is just an amazing scene when they come upon his accident that he's had and he's still alive for a moment (laughs) until they fuck it all up. But um, I really, you know, watching that, I don't really see um, how they could have saved him. I mean, it just, how in the world could you do that? I mean, first of all, there's no way they could have known that the, that piece of car was holding his head onto his body. Um, which I think I just gave that away, but anyway, it's <laughs> if you're listening to this part, you should have seen it anyway. But um, it's um, uh, that to me is just really inventive, really creative, and I I was like, yes, you know, I was really into that. So I loved that. Um, I love the fact that what we get here at the end of the not the very end, but at Nika's end, 
uh, is the the part of the movie that you never get to see is what happens when the police show up. You know, mm-hmm. in, in horror films, you know, you spend the entire film with the killer going after everyone, knocking them off one by one by one. And then you have the final girl or whomever who survived at the end. And then that's it. You know, happy ending. But we never really it's rare that we get to see what would really happen if police showed up right now. How are you going to prove your story? You can't. And so I really like the fact that we it was a bittersweet end. I mean it was it was sweet because it was kind of cool to see how like how it ended up. But it was bitter because we all knew that Nika did not deserve what she got. Um but I love her reaction to it too when she's just laughing maniacally screaming at the doll as they're taking out her court. She's like, "Ah, but I'm still alive." You know. <laughs> I'm going to the nut house, but I'm still alive, damn ya. Um I think that there were – oh, I, I agree with you that I didn't really care for the, the family, including the little girl. I was not crazy about her. But then we get the satisfaction of seeing them all bite it, which is <laughs> which is always good. Her sister was a douche, and uh, I just – I hated that woman so much. And uh, so I was pretty pleased about that. Then um, – I kind of when we first see the uh, the home video footage, and you see Charles Lee Ray in the background of her family, mm. um, then you know you get a hint that hey he's been around this family for a while. There's a history here, and so your mind starts working, and you're trying to put together like how they'd be connected and and what's going on and and why that would mean Chucky is here right now, and so I, I think that that was actually done really well. It was. I think the story was woven. I won't say it was really surprising necessarily. Uh, By the time they got to it, you pretty much got it. But uh, I was okay with that. And then to learn that he was directly responsible for Nika being in the wheelchair uh, from Mm -hmm. even before she was born, that to me was just kind of – that's a lot. You know, I mean if you think about that, that's – that's that's really dark yeah it's it's really dark and it just the whole time i'm sitting here with this gleeful grin on my face at how dark this is and it's just like oh i was so happy i was just really really happy <laughs> really happy at all the murder and mayhem <laughs> <laughs> what about you graham um like obviously you've you've had a lot longer to ponder on the film than, than we have is there any particular any particular standout moments in this where you were sitting watching it. I know you've obviously said when the mask comes off, um, it's been one of those iconic scenes for you. Yeah, that, that was the highlight of the movie for me. That was that was the point where it stopped being a potential remake or a potential reboot or whatever and it was just like, this is Chucky because it just, because it, that is Chucky and you know, like Chucky and like Chelsea 2 and 3 when he's a bit fucked up and everything but he's still menacing and everything like he's he's more physically more fucked up and brighter Chucky than and see the Chucky than he was in any of the other ones but that's when he's going through his Freddy Krueger phase of cracking out the jokes and everything and then all of a sudden that the physical fucked upness gets joined with being really dark and really fucking brutal and aggressive and it's just it just worked it was just perfect it was like oh man legitimately got goosebumps thinking about it it was amazing that that one moment that that made the movie for me that one moment 
Um, but there were some other cool bits, like uh, the bit when she's in the lift, obviously, and um, the power goes out, and then when it turns around, he's turned his whole head around, and he's just staring her right in the face. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. But what I thought was really cool about that scene was the fact that he cut, he cut her leg, and obviously because she's um, disabled, she, she can't feel it, she doesn't notice. Yeah. So she, she still thinks... There's something a bit weird about this doll, but she's not fully aware. But we are aware completely that this is, you know, this is Chucky and this is happening. I thought that was really clever. I really liked that bit. Um, I, you know, like this sort of cliched moments, like when um, the the dad set up that like video camera and stuff like that to spy on his. But I think that's what it is, isn't it? Yeah, it's a nanny cam. Aye. And um, and obviously you see Chucky kicking about in the background, and you know what's coming and everything. Nah, wee bits like that. It's not exactly, you know, bits like that aren't exactly original, but it just it worked, man. It was nice. It was good. It was fun, and it was dark, and it was genuinely quite creepy. And um, but it was creepy, but it had a lot of the aggression they had in the second one as well. Yeah. I think Curse of Chucky is actually like a combination of Child's Play and Child's Play 2. Yeah, um, I, I, would, I would agree with you on that. Put together and, and I just, I don't know, I just thought it was excellent. But there was some, you know, like we kind of tongue-in-cheek moments as well, like when the eyeball comes down, the dropping down the stairs and things like that. Yeah. But then that's followed by her entire body, like falling down the stairs, which is fucking gruesome. Yeah. Um. I just, I, I, you know, it, it's, it was nice for it to not be a pastiche anymore and to be an actual legitimate, you know, dark, scary movie. Um, and I just fucking love Chucky. <laughs> Again, look at they, look, yeah. they, he renewed your love. Um, I also love the the part where the mask comes off, and and I wasn't expecting that. Like yeah. there there had been nothing up to that point to lead me to believe that anything was going to change as far as his appearance goes. But the whole time I was looking at his right eye, thinking something's weird about his eye. Like what? Mm. And I was like, huh? I'm like, maybe it's the angle. Maybe I'm just you know I don't know. But then as he starts to reveal his true self, then then we see that oh yeah, something is fucked up with his eye. Um, and I loved that moment. I loved the fact that it happened when it did. I love that I wasn't expecting it um, because I didn't really know what to expect from this. And I also really loved it. I and mean, you mentioned earlier, Duncan, about how um, in the Michael Bay films, like we don't really care about their characters at all. Yeah. And I found here that I really cared about Fiona. Uh, Fiona. I really cared about Nika. And I, I was pissed off at the situation that she was in. I was pissed off that she about a lot of things. Like I was pissed off that her situation that she was in with her mom. And then when her sister came along, and then her sister was this like total cunt. And then um, she. Thank you. Uh, she. <laughs> I did that just for you. Uh, then, <laughs> then she. Um, you know when they they see the cut on her leg that you mentioned earlier. And then, of course, her sister's going to take that, oh, well, you know, obviously you can't take care of yourself because you cut yourself and you don't even know it. And um, so then there's that moment where she's going to try to use that as leverage against her. And I'm getting angry because I like this character. I care about her. And it's really pissing me off that she's getting the short end of the stick. And so then by the time the movie was over, I was sitting and I was reflecting on that. And I'm like, you know, these days it's just – why do I – 
it's sad to me that I consider it a bonus if I actually care about the character. That shouldn't be a bonus. It should be all the time. Mm. You know, and but he managed to pull it off really well, I think. Yeah, I think um like one of the the big things that stands out for me, it kind of it kind of harks on the point that Graham was saying about almost like the combination, kind of weird kind of splicing of Child's Play and Child's Play Two, and this film is that I mean Don Mancini is clearly a ballsy filmmaker in this one, in that he does not give you Chucky walking around or you know being visibly Chucky uh, for a good portion of this film. Which is right back to the first film. That's Child's Play. Child's Play. You've you've got you, you go through the film towards maybe the last thirty five minutes before Chucky's actually walking around talking, um, and that and that's what you get in this film. And that's that's incredible because you've come off two films. In fact, you've come off technically three films um, where from the word go, Chucky's moving around. He's speaking. He's interacting. People are aware that he's real and all the rest. In this film, they make you wait for that. And that like kind of sense of anticipation is fantastic because things are implied very much like in that first film. You know, the mother dies, but she's had mental health problems. So maybe she did commit suicide. Um, you know, that, that sort of thing. You, we know that Chucky's done it, but it's not... In the previous films, they would have shown you Chuck, Chucky killing her. They've not done that this time, which I thought was really good. It's like you were saying as well about the, the cut on the leg, you know, and it's implied that she can't look after herself uh, from her sister. And, you know, and there's even a bit of doubt in, in Nika's mind that she doesn't know where she's got this cut from. So, I, you know, I really like those scenes. I think they're really clever. Um, I, like I said earlier, I love that, that scene with the meat and dinner because it's prolonged and you don't know who's been poisoned and then the little girl at the table's not feeling well and you think it's a girl that's been poisoned and mm-hmm. then it's it's not until the the father starts feeling a bit under the weather that you you think no you've you've you're the one that's been poisoned and like jamie was saying that's a fantastic the way his head topples off is great it's <laughs> absolutely wonderful it rivals the the photographer death in the omen i yes. think <laughs> yeah, um, which definitely. is immediately what i thought of when i saw it and um I mean, I meant to mention that that dinner scene as well when when it's when you were mentioning stuff that stuck out to us because I really did love that. I, I love that. I mean, I was, you know, bouncing along the table with him, watching people's reactions, yeah. waiting to see who it was, and it was fun. It was really fun because I was engaged. Yeah, yeah. I'd like like you were saying as well. Um, the the fact that for the first time in the the whole Child's Play franchise we are given the scenario where someone is caught in the act, you know, of trying to kill the doll or whatever, surrounded by bodies, and the police don't write this one off. The police do the logical thing. There is a human being in a room with dead bodies. That human being killed them. Take them to court. This is the first one that that happens. This is the first one where there isn't some sort of kind of nod to the audience that the police is going to let them off so we can have another film and you know and you see the repercussions of that and it it, it, there is something slightly comical about that courtroom scene you know um seeing chucky uh sitting on the 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 evidence bench uh while while uh you know nika has lost it by this point she she is now crazy and you know on on some level it's it's pretty funny in that you know chucky like there's a a wonderful scene where he's uh he's going to attack nika and she's on the floor and they're having the kind of back and forth story and you're getting the the charles lee ray backstory 
into this because another thing that is kind of cleverly done in terms of linking this back to the first film is that the first time we see um, the Charles Lee Ray character, he is injured and we assume that the police have injured him mm. um, in some sort of failed attempt at something. Um, but we're never given any back details of that. So the fact it can fill that in and say, well, this is what happened and this is why I was under him from the police, which led to this. I quite liked that. Um, but he's, he's obviously, he's got, a, she's on the ground, she doesn't have a wheelchair and Chucky's being very menacing and he's talking about, you know, the families he's went through and he's went through the Barclays and the Kincaids and the Tillies. And, um, and it, I, as soon as he mentions Tillies, which will bring us to our point later on, I was like, oh, so we're acknowledging that film. All right. Okay, so, um, but yeah, he's got her there, and you know, and she, she's been menacing, she's kind of doing the kind of final girl thing, she's been very menacing back to him, and she's saying, you know, and what happened to Andy Barkley, you know what I mean, and he's like, well, you know, did you kill him, and he's like, no, but I murdered his childhood, and, um, you know, and the fact that they, she then later on in court is very gleeful at the fact that Chucky never got a chance to kill her either, you know, he's mm. failed on that, Chucky ultimately fails, in every film, he never gets what he wants. He never really, he never manages to get out of the doll's body. He well, never, he never, you know, manages to kill the person he actually really wants to kill, um, as well. So I mean, you know, that that sticks true to that. But in the case of this one, Chucky, in some kind of weird way, actually wins, which is a wee bit strange because we're not used to seeing that. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, sequences like that, like you were saying about the mask, when that mask comes off, it's brilliant. It only The only thing that kind of works as well, you were talking about, that's where the true menace comes in. I would argue that when the the nanny is electrocuted and the, mm. the you know, obviously it's like the blue sparks are going off and the blue light lights up Chucky's face and he's pulling this very sadistic smile and that's creepy. Mm. You know, that's when, it's like you see it, it's that moment you're looking at him and you're going, Right, we've got we've got a villain back here. We've got like someone who's actually menacing, which we've mm. not had for a long time because we didn't really even have that in Child's Play Three. If we're being honest, no, and, and that, that's I think that's one of the things that works so well with this movie is that Chucky has an agenda again. Yeah, he's not, you know, in the first one he's in that that body and he has to get out. Yes, but obviously he fails on that, and then in the second one he's brought back and he's given a second chance to get out of that body and to get revenge on Andy Barkley. And again, he fails in that. And the third one, like we were saying when we were talking about it, yeah, there's the kind of story that he wants out of the body, but there's no real sense of urgency to it. Yeah, that urgency's that. gone. Like, eh. And then in the fourth one, um, you know, the story is technically that he's trying to get to this amulet so they can get out of his body and all this, but, but it's not really, it's not about that. Like it's about him and and uh, the Tiffany doll. I mean that that's that's what it's about. Um, the first movie doesn't exist, but in this <laughs> one again, you know, it's it's a genuine. He's not necessarily trying to get out of the body, but he's got a mission and he's gonna do it. You know, yeah. Ultimately, Oh, he, he fails, but and he's got an end goal, and he's gonna do whatever the fuck it takes to get to that result, and um, and he's gonna enjoy doing it as well, and that's something that's been missing since the second film, and yeah. that is the, the big big strength of this film again is that it's about Chucky again. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think what else I 
like, because obviously, like, the film ends, and well, that part of the film ends, because this film technically has three endings, right? So we get the ending of Nika goes down, she is now going to get incarcerated, and Chucky has seemingly won. Um, and that, that, you could see that as being the first ending, and if the film had finished there, I would have been, if the film had finished there, this film would have got a five from me if I'm being honest, because at that point, I was like, yep, fully invested, even though it was a wee bit cheesy and bits and all the rest, would have got a five. And then we're given a clip, which didn't actually, I wasn't expecting it, and I should have expected it, because in a previous podcast, you said to me, Graham, that there was something that linked back in with the Tiffany thing, and um, mm. so we, we, we essentially, and this is a spoiler spoiler, um, we get the second ending to the film, which is that, which kind of is reminiscent of Bride of Chucky, and that um, Chucky is now dumped in an evidence bag. He is taken by a, a police officer, um, what well, looks like he's going to sell the doll off, and as he's sitting in his car, Tiffany appears um, behind him, or like, well, we're we're assuming that this that Tiffany has from the last one. Um, she is now in the body of Jennifer Tilly. So she appears behind the the cop, slits his throat with a, a razor, very pretty much exactly the same as what happens in Bride of Chucky. And yeah. you find out that she is the one that has posted Chucky to that family. Um, so that's one off the list. And uh, then she opens it and she asks him where he wants to go next. Yeah. And then we get the... The, the culmination of the second ending, which is he gets posted out to um, the survivor, the only survivor of the massacre at the house, which is a little girl, and um, she's now living with her gran, and she opens it, and Chucky starts speaking to her, and Chucky says that he wants to play a game with her, he wants to play a game of hide the soul, right? So that's the second ending, So and he's already started doing the chant, so we are led to believe in the second ending that Chucky has finally achieved his goal, he has finally jumped from that body into the girl's body, right? So that's, you know, we're given that ending. And um, as soon as that scene finishes, we get the, you know, because her name's not credited, we get the Jennifer Tilly and big, huge fucking letters, Jennifer Tilly. So she's in this film. We didn't know that because she's not been anywhere else mentioned in any credits. So that's her second ending. We then get a third ending, which to me, I, I laughed at the third ending. I would have actually preferred the third ending to be the second ending and the second mm. ending not to exist. But um, the parcel, I agree. Yeah, the, the parcel then gets posted and he is arrives at a bearded man's house and the man brings up and he goes on the phone, he's on the phone and the knife comes out and this is obviously Chucky again, which doesn't make any sense because Chucky, we're led to believe that Chucky's soul has jumped out the doll, so I don't know why he's back in the doll. But anyway, he cuts round and he comes out and he turns around really menacing with a gun, uh, uh, sorry, with a knife, and um, he's looking at the pictures and we see that the pictures are of Andy. So we're, we're now back to Andy Barkley's character and he turns around and as he turns around, he sees uh, Andy standing with a shotgun against his face and he shouts out Andy and bang. So Chucky is dead, we think. And then bang, we get the, the, the actor's name for Andy up on the screen and then the credits roll. Now that's, so like I say, the film essentially has three endings and of those endings, the second one to me is the one I, I don't like the fact that we've got Jennifer Tilly back in it again. I just don't feel the need for it. 
at all. It kind of makes sense to some extent because it can explain how the doll was posted to the family to begin with mm. um, because she's doing that for Chucky. It doesn't really answer any of the kind of outstanding questions that we had from the end of the, you know, the, the seed of Chucky or the film, which we don't want to name. Um, it just smacked of a really, really strange way to put her back in the film. I mean, she's already, we don't actually need to see her character because Chucky's already referred to her earlier on. You know, the families he's went through, he's went through the Barclays, the Kincaids and the Tillies. So we don't really need to see her, um, but they feel the need to put her back. And it is almost kind of, you know, a certain extent kind of tongue-in-cheek referencing that the fact, you know, that, you know, she was in some films as well. Um, but yeah, I don't understand how he plays hide the soul with the girl and then he's back in the doll again. That to me... Yeah, I didn't get that because it seemed to sort of just drop off, and then the next thing you know, we're seeing the third ending. And I'm, but wait, what the hell happened? Like we we don't know. Yeah. And like, did he get? In, obviously, I guess he got interrupted, but by whom and what happened? This sort of leaves you, um, I don't know, wondering for a moment, and then you're just swept away when you get the when Andy shows up. Um, and I immediately recognized him because he looks exactly the same. He does, yeah. Um, and that was super. I think the only thing that would have made that scene better is if they'd brought Catherine Hicks back in for the telephone call. Yeah. Because um, he actually does talk to his mother. And um, I think that if she had been online uh, and you got Catherine Hicks' voice, I thought that would have been just classic. But yeah. um, we didn't get that. <laughs> I don't mind Jennifer Tilly being there, though. It just doesn't – if you lay the films out – in you know and watch them in order like you guys just did i don't see how it makes sense yeah. like i don't i don't think it does but at the same time there's maybe he figures there's such a uh such a span of time between that one and this one that and we're just so back into this story again that maybe we won't care and that's pretty much what happened to me like i didn't really care about the logistics of it i just i liked where it was going like i liked where his head was and so i was along for the ride yeah, but, I mean, if, um, you, if you take that second ending out altogether and you go from the scene of Chucky being in the courtroom um, as evidence, right, uh, and Nika getting wheeled off, and then the next clip is that parcel getting delivered to Andy, and, you know, Chucky's Chucky seemingly has won at this point, you know, and then he gets his head blown off by Andy, who's obviously very wise uh, to, to the whole Chucky thing at that point. That, to me, is the perfect end. You know what I mean? That that yeah. and that that finishes, in my opinion, as well. That finishes the entire franchise. That puts a full stop. Everything has come full circle. Andy's finally got his revenge on Chucky. Uh, Chucky's finally met his end, and that to me, perfect ending. I don't understand the Jennifer Tilly thing. What did you think, Graham? Because like that must have been a bit of a surprise to you watching that, especially at Fright Fest. Oh, yeah, what yeah, was yeah, the yeah. crowd? What was the crowd reaction what? when they saw Jennifer Tilly? Was there cheers or? I fucking loved it, man. Right, like like, like every, everyone got really like proper swept up into that. Like out of all the films that I saw, Curse of Chucky definitely had the best crowd reaction. Yeah, um, you know, like people were going fucking mental for it, including myself. Um, but yeah, the Jennifer Tilly thing, it didn't it didn't really bother me. I thought it was a nice nod to the the fact that you know it was acknowledging that um, the the other films had happened. I don't think there was any need for it, but um, but at the same time, there was no need for the Andy Barclay bit at the end either, but it was just cool to have it in. So, um, I don't know. I, I, 
I agree with the whole kind of, you know, doing the hide the soul thing with the wee girl. It, it doesn't really make any difference. I mean, in my head, I thought I remembered the grandmother coming in and interrupting it. But it has been a while since I've seen it now, so it's possible that I just assumed that's what happened and yeah, it, I, it, I kind of made that memory. It certainly, uh, certainly from, from what I saw, that, that never really... The, the grandma's pot around, around in the background. He starts doing the 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 kind of the chant of the the hide the soul thing and then the camera basically fades out so you don't you don't actually see anything happening it just kind of fades out as if that is the ending and then yeah. obviously the next click is the uh, clip is the doorbell going um at yeah. andy's house so it, it, it didn't look like they got interrupted and that's why it just it, it surprised me I, I just thought there's a there's some sort of weird lack of continuity here between what we've just seen and that, and I love the fact that you know he's, he's managed to. And so, I, I mean, a lot, a, a, a part of me, a small part of me, loves the fact that they they, they managed to get Jennifer Tilly to come back and um and, and make a cameo in it. You know, the small because it is you know it's Don it's Don Mancini's work. You know, it's his his six film story. He's only mm. been able to direct two of them, but ultimately it's his story, and you know. Two of those stories contain that character, prominently contain that character. So he, he feels the need to put that in. I love the fact that they brought Andy back into it because we've not seen Andy since the third one. And in the third one, um, Andy thinks he's got rid of Chucky forever. And um, you know he's not referenced really in the, the 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 bride or the seed. He's not referenced at all. They don't make any reference to him. In fact, when they made reference to him in the Curse of Chucky, I was like, I'm quite surprised they mentioned that character. You know what I mean? Because mm. so much time has passed. But the fact that it brought that in, I really liked it. Um, like I say, it was it was a little bit cheesy in bits. I, I totally agree with what you said, Jamie. The CGI did not bother me at all. Um, I was actually quite surprised at how well the CGI was actually done. Um, considering this film. Is it did not have a big budget at all. I think they handled it really well. I love the fact that they shot it all in one location. I think that's very yeah. clever. Very like you said again, very reminiscent of the first film where you, you have that kind of the elevator and you know that kind of almost claustrophobic feel. Even though the house is quite big, that I mean Nika can only traverse around certain areas, um, yeah. which which makes it quite menacing. I really enjoyed it. I think once again Brad Dourif. I think. I'd, I couldn't imagine anyone else being Chucky at all. He has such a a sadistic sounding voice at times, and uh, that laugh is fucking priceless. I love that laugh. I mean, a lot of people talk about Freddy Krueger's laugh um, being kind of iconic. I totally agree. Chucky's laugh pisses all over it. Um, yeah, I, yeah it, it really, it really does. The, the I, I think, um, and like you were saying, it, it is not afraid to be dark. That whole sequence about the fact that, you know, he's ruined, he, he says, you know, that he's ruined Andy Barclays, he's murdered Andy Barclays' childhood. He essentially has done the same to Nika and he's come to finish her off. And then you get that that fantastic line where he says he's going to kill her real slow and then he did she makes a comment about, well, it's taking you 26 years to kill me. This must be the longest killing in history. You know, <laughs> and, and, and it's almost, she's, she's and it's the, the, it's the same sort of attitude back to, dad you know sort of thing where you can you can tell they're from the same stock but um yeah like i said those are the only thing that the the, the tilly sequence and to an extent i quite like dandy barkley sequence but i would have been very happy it would have got a five from me straight away if i had just finished at the end of the court sequence because that leaves it open for another film 
but it leaves it in such a way where we've given the first film where Chucky's won, and that to me, I, I quite like horror films that that leave you with, you know, that, that kind of feeling that, you know, evil has won. <laughs> That's not right. Good's supposed to win. Um, but, I, you know, I, I really liked that. Um, I think, like I said earlier, I think this film, to me, has it, it totally makes up for the mistakes of the previous two. It is so much fun. I mean, I think if people go in expecting this to be child's play, then they're going to be upset because it's not child's play but this is now 2013 and child's play came out in 1988 so the fact that they could bring back some of the menace in fact quite a lot of the menace of those original films those original two films to me is a test you know as a test to how well the film is done um and how much passion that don mancini still has for that character he created you know almost 30 years ago now um uh, 25, 25. Yeah, right? but I, I, I think, did you, yeah, did you not tell me that when he was at Fright Fest, he said that he'd had the idea of a killer doll for several years before it became Chucky? Yeah, I think that, that does yeah. well. Actually, so. I, I just, <laughs> so. a slight, slight side note, um, at, at Fright Fest, they had, um, before the film, they had Don Mancini, they had, um, is it Fiona? Uh, Dorif. Aye. Um, she was there, uh, not in a wheelchair, and uh, <laughs> they had fucking Chucky on stage. The doll, like the actual, the actual doll. That's amazing. It was so amazing. That's really, really cool. I think, I think the the thing is, I like I say, I think this film is going to do quite well. Um, I think it's still a bankable character. I think enough people know Chucky um, that they'll check this film out, and I mean. Maybe there is a, a degree of logic. Maybe the fact that they didn't put it in the cinemas will play to its advantage and that people will check it out on VOD or whatever. And, you know, I love the fact that um, the box set's just been released, the Chucky box set's been released. And, um, okay. you know, yeah, the, the, the full Blu-ray box set's been released with Cursor Chucky in it. I did not know that. I'm on, currently getting on Amazon right now. <laughs> It's fifty. It's fifty odd quid, but uh, the the Blu-ray, the entire Blu-ray collection has been released, and they put Cursor Chucky right in there, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a good move as well because this is the first time you're able to get them all as a box set, and they put the new one in. So I've not done that that horrible thing of releasing a box set a couple of months before the new film comes out, and then you've got this film that doesn't really fit in the box set and doesn't really go. So I quite I quite like quite like that as well. I, I'm just I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> it's it's unusual, and I think uh, I, I mean Jamie will have the experience on Devour the podcast latest episode, where she will finish off her franchise on a film that she quite liked. But that is unusual in retrospectives that run over quite a long time, a long series of films to end on a positive note, um, because. I, the, this film could have been a train wreck. It really, really could have. It would have been very easy. It might not have been as bad as Cedar's Chucky, but it could have been a bad film. And I am overjoyed that it wasn't. So I mean, I, I think I think we're all we all give it four. So I think we're all in the same boat. I mean, you must, on a certain level, Jamie, because you like myself have grown up with these films. You will have. I, I mean, I saw the first one not long after it came out. Um, you'll be about the same. I mean, how does it feel? 25 years on and you get a film which kind of captures the spirit of the the original one that you saw all that time ago 
It's like a sigh of relief, honestly, when when I watched it and I was as pleased as I was with it. And um, this is fairly fresh off watching the first one uh, for you guys yeah. uh, not too long ago. And I, re- and I recall the conversation that we had about that one. I was saying it's it's it was really trying to be scary. It was an honest horror film. It was dark. And then, of course, the sequels sort of stripped that away. It was really nice to see it go back to its roots, go back to where it came from. And I love the, how the little loose ends were tied up. I, I really couldn't be – okay, I could be happier. Like I totally agree with you about the little girl part at the end. I would have taken that out. I would have left the Jennifer Tilly part because I just thought it was fun. Um, to me, what would have been a perfect ending is if we did get the Jennifer Tilly part, but instead of going to the little girl's house, that's when we went. Candy. That's yeah. when we went to Andy's house, and then just left out the little girl altogether because she's really inconsequential, and I didn't care what happened to her anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I think if they had done that, then I would have been completely happy with it. Um, but as it was, I was pretty damned happy anyway. I do have one question though, and this has been bothering me uh-huh. since I watched it. Why? Did the nanny cam footage not come to light? Like, what happened to that? Because if you watch that footage, I think that um, mm. there That's are some un- undeniable moments in that. You know, that would have um, that would have shed light upon what was really happening. I mean, I I, I don't know because the nanny cam sent a feed to his laptop, and. If, uh, Nika didn't know about the nanny cam. I don't. Oh, think. did she not? Okay, I was. Th- I can't remember. I can't remember. I, th- I think the. No, I don't think. I don't think she actually knew about that. I, I, I mean, I might be wrong, but to the best of my knowledge, she didn't know about the nanny cam. So if the the police raided it and arrested her, and they took the laptop as evidence, I don't think they would actually check the laptop for anything because they wouldn't need to. Um, so that's uh, that's what I think. Uh, that's what I've got in my head. I mean, if anyone is listening to the podcast that has seen it, you know, directly before this, and can can shed any light on it, by all means, post. But I can't remember that being. I thought it was the boy, f- that it was the husband. Sorry, that checked the laptop footage to find out. I think I might be wrong. I might be wrong. Um, well, that makes sense. I, I I was thinking that she was aware of it, but well, um, if she was then. Yeah, she very well, her. may not be. If she was though, then that is a huge plot hole. Huge plot hole, because yeah, like you say, all they would have to do is look at the footage, and then they would know that she couldn't possibly have done all the killings, um, because the person that did the killings is walking around and she doesn't walk. So um, yeah, but yeah, I, I mean, like, like I say, Graham. I mean, is there anything else you want to say about this before we we jump to the close of the show? Is there anything else you want to talk about? I mean, this has been a, a fairly exhaustive. Uh, six weeks of uh, Chelsea play. <laughs> I've I've really enjoyed it. It's the first time I've I've watched the the whole series. There were certain ones that I hadn't seen before. And uh, to be honest with you, I was alright with that. But um, but it's been nice to watch them in sequence. And I think that Curse of Chucky is a huge high to end it on. Um, and I'm um, I. I'm uh, strongly considering up in my grade to 4.5 because I just I, I absolutely loved it. Like I I just um I it's, it's I preferred the second Child's Play to the original one, uh-huh. and I think this is on the same level. Like I just I fucking loved it. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, 
so I, so are I, you saying are you definitely going 4.5 then aye fuck it I'm going to go 4.5 aye right Graham's up to 4.5 well, how yeah. do you say I fucking absolutely loved it and then give it a 4.5 if you fucking absolutely love it then that's a that's 5 that's a 5 <laughs> well yeah I mean I, I don't yeah I'm Netflix not, rating Graham I'm, Netflix I'm you know what I've never given a movie a perfect grade fuck it Hi, all right, five. Five, <laughs> Just like that, just like that. That's See, what done. I love about these ratings, and I think I said this last time too, is that with these ratings, it doesn't have to be technically perfect. You just have to love it Yeah, that's in order it. for it to get a five. Yeah, so. five has loved it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still sticking with my four, which, to be honest, will equal it with the original Child's Play grade I gave. I gave original Child's Play a four. I gave this one a four, definitely. Um, I would actually like to up mine to a four, a four point five though. Are you going four point five? I would. <laughs> I would. Yeah. I um. Well, the more I talk about it, the more I just remember there are some really awesome scenes in it, and I really like the way it wrapped up. And it had its little moments here and there that we've talked about, but really, that's not enough to to do anything bad. Uh, so yeah, four point five for me. I do. I do think for me, I, I think the fact that I saw our freight fest with Don Mancini and you know in that crowd I think that has helped as well oh, I think yeah, that's, that, that's, that's done a big um, you know that, that that made it a special screening anyway you had like um, the perfect experience yeah that um, you have, yeah. yeah so I, th- I, th- I think that's that's kind of made a difference as well if I just watched it on DVD like you guys have done I might not have gone with a five but no I said yeah I think I, I'm, I'm yeah going with a five I just I, I I don't really that you know like I've I've already said there was a couple of wee things that I didn't think was were necessary in it, but I don't think there was anything necessarily wrong with it either. Yeah. And um, the fact that I don't think that there was anything that was necessarily wrong with it, um, I think it's just it's got the the aggression and the kind of just general eeriness of the first two without looking dated like they kind of have started to look a bit dated now yeah Um, yeah. it's got the best bits of them without looking dated i just yeah i loved it fantastic so there you go folks final grades are graham gives it a five jamie gives it a 4.5 and i give it a four and we will be right back after this short clip to close out the show. And that was episode number six of the podcast Under the Stairs and the final in our Chelsea Play retrospective where we have been reviewing at great length um, the new release, uh, The Curse of Chucky. So I hope you had as much fun chatting about this, uh, not only the franchise, Graham, but chatting about this film 
as you know as much as I have. I really, really enjoyed the fact that I managed to to finish a retrospective on a high, um, mm. because until until recently, I I mean I I just thought that this was going to be like liked it, liked it, liked it, hated it, loathed it, and possibly. That you know, I didn't know what the new one was going to be like, but I, now I'm I'm over the moon that it's ended this way, and I can only say thank you very much for our, our guest coming back to join us. Uh, like you said, kind of bookending the the retrospective. Thank you very much, Jamie. No, thank you for having me back. I really lo- I really love being on this show. I really love talking to you guys, and it was such an honor for me to come back to wrap up this series that I got to start with you. So I'm. It's a dream. So we'll get yeah. you back again next week, then. <laughs> Any time. I've told you this. There, there are a few people that I would drop anything for, um, especially considering the time difference. But I told you, if I had to, I would get up at 4 or 5 in the morning to record with you guys. And I mean it. And it's a, it is appreciated. And we will be doing, sometime in the, the very near future, uh, I think... My, uh, myself, Jamie, and I think we can try and rope Graham into this uh, are going to do a bonus episode of the podcast Under the Stairs where we are going to talk about um, ghost films which we think are underappreciated uh, which will be a lot of fun because I think we've already fired around the films we want to talk about and all three of them uh, I'm looking forward to getting a discussion about so it'll be a lot of fun but um as for what happens with the podcast under the stairs next, well, me and Graham have been floating around an idea, um, which has got me extremely excited because I think what we're going to do before the next podcast under the stairs, which will be in two weeks' time, is photocopy uh, our boys. Yeah, <laughs> photocopy our boys, and um, then stick them to our chins and become the <laughs> the elusive race of Balchinians. Um, so <laughs> no, what we're going to do is we are going to compile a list between the two of us of our all-time top five British horror films, and then we are going to review them one a week, uh, leading down to our favourite British horror film of all time. I want to. Uh, so I, I just want to, to stress that the reason that this idea came up because, like, you know, Jamie might not be aware, and, and people outside of the UK, well, people inside of the UK might not be aware either. But um, BFI, the British Film Institute, is currently um, running the London Film Festival, and once that finishes, it's straight away going into its um, Gothic cinema season where it basically just explores as the, the tagline is the dark heart of cinema and that's exactly what it is it's it's going back to your you know old school draculas and frankensteins through your hammer movies up to modern day stuff the night of the demon showing that i saw was a preview of it it's going through dark cinema and it runs for months and months and months right up and down the uk and i think that's a re- the fact that an institution like the bfi is taking time to really celebrate that I think is is a big deal and I think that's exciting and that's why we've kind of come up with this idea to not piggyback on it but to kind of take that that pride of I mean BFI stuff's not all it's not all the British um, movies they're looking at they're doing showings of Nosferatu and some of uh, the you know Vincent Price um, Edgar Allan Poe films and things like that as well. Um, but 
that was kind of where the idea came from and, and I think it's it, it'll be nice, especially with us being based in the UK, just to kind of, at the same time the BFI is doing that, to kind of try and celebrate the British heritage of horror as well and go from yeah. there. Because, I mean, you know, j- just as many people care what we think as they do the BFI, clearly. <laughs> I was about to say, to, to the best of my knowledge, I don't know of anyone who has, you know, that, that podcast. And obviously, I'm only involved with a, a small community of, of horror podcasters, but I'm not aware of anyone trying to tackle a top five British horror films list before. And I'm really, no. really excited to get into that. I think... That's I, I think a phenomenal you, idea. I can't wait to hear that because I love British horror. I think the difficulty, Jamie, is going to be actually pinning down what our top fives are because I think, me and Graham had said before, that what we'll do is we'll both compile a list of five and the ones that match up, the, you know, they can go on the list, but I don't think our top five lists are going to necessarily, they might not even match at all and it might come down to um, an arm wrestle. <laughs> Which, I, which I'll, I'll clearly win, man. Of course, you, you built like you, a tank. You think that you think that you're bigger than me, but see, as soon as I tie on those ultimate warrior tassels around my arms, <laughs> oh, <laughs> unstoppable! Uh, I think Dokes and Dexter could take you down, couldn't he? <laughs> Well, Graham's actually met Dokes and Dexter, and uh, <laughs> Dokes and Dexter actually love Graham, and Graham loves them as well, isn't it? Isn't oh, it? That's very much. So cute. <laughs> he gets he gets to see them on Skype every now and again, and he he he's disappointed if we do a Skype video call and um, the dogs aren't somewhere in the shot. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, love so dogs, I love dogs so much. There you are. He's also allergic to a lot of them, but he loves them anyway. He puts himself, to, you know, he puts himself in harm's way, kind of like Macaulay Culkin did in My Girl. <laughs> facing amongst the bees. Yeah, because that's enjoy, the same. <laughs> I do enjoy getting dopes and extra and just rubbing them in my face. He does. The puppies enjoy it as well. So, uh, <laughs> But, like I say, kind of bringing it back to a slightly serious tone, that's what we're going to try and do. And hopefully... Um, our next full show, our next episode show will be in a fortnight's time and we will be kicking off with number five on the list. Um, so uh, we would encourage you all to make sure that you, you keep following the podcast under the stairs and check us out on um, hopefully our bonus episode number two, which will probably surface next week at some point, and episode number seven, which will kick off the top five um, in podcast under the stairs uh, opinion top five British horror films of all time. So, with that, um, if you would like to say goodbye, Jamie. Goodbye, Jamie. (laughs) (laughs) Graham, would you like to say goodbye, Graham? It's been fun, folks. As always, cheerio. And we will see you all very soon. Thanks for listening, folks. Bye. What are you, fucking nuts?
Oh, 